In 2005, two brothers hit the road to chase demons and fight monsters. You know, like you do. After 15 years, they made television history and built a community of dedicated and lasting fans. Sure did. I'm Rob Benedict, and I played God, a.k.a. Chuck Shirley. Yeah, you are, and yeah, you did. And I'm Richard Spade Jr., and I played the Archangel Gabriel, a.k.a. the Trickster, a.k.a. Loki. I also had the privilege of directing a bunch of episodes of the show. Have a few more a.k.a.s, why don't you? Jeez. A.k.a. you're a jerk. Though we've been involved with the series for years and multiple seasons, we never sat down and watched the entire show. Oh, that's not true anymore. Now... We're deep into it. We are going episode by episode and diving in with the folks who made it to bring you an insider's point of view and some great behind-the-scenes stories from the writers, producers, crew, and actors. And you're getting our pure, honest, unfettered reviews. And along the road, let me tell you, we're becoming fans. Buddy, we are super fans. We've heard you saying it for years, and we finally get what all the excitement's about. This show holds up after all this time and deserves to be watched and rewatched. We will be hitting on some spoilers, so consider yourself warned. And if you have any angry emails you want to send, please direct them to Babo. Thank you for joining our journey and listening to Supernatural Then and Now. Hi, everybody. This is Rob Benedict. Damn right it is. And this is Richard Spate Jr. Or so I'd have you believe. And we're talking about Season 4, Episode 19 jump the shark we sure are rob you know i'm glad people are listening is that crazy to, for me to say can i say thank you is that a thing we can do rob no, thank you can people do that. for listening you can do that you all right well that. thank you everybody for listening we appreciate it hey do you love stickers that seems off topic who doesn't love stickers i love stickers yeah do you like t-shirts i love t-shirts dude notebooks well you're not your stupid dumb notebook well, what's your take on tote bags dude when i have a tote and i need to put it in a bag what do you think I reach for? Well, then go to spnthenandnow.com before they sell out. <laughs> I sold out years ago, so obviously I can't go. Hey, and this is Jump the Shark, so it's all about sellouts. Listen, the good stuff's going to sell out. Let's just be honest. Yeah. If we had a bunch of crap in there, we'd sit around and just gather dust. But we're talking about Class A t-shirts, Rob's stupid dumb notebook where you can take your own stupid dumb notes, and tote bags. Also, you got stickers, and it's all the Supernatural then and now gear that you know you want, you know you want to sport to support the show, and just, you know, fly your flag, man. Show you show them what you're listening to on the podcast. That's right. Your, uh, so go to spnthenandnow.com before the sellout. And now a summary. It's time for Rob to summarize the episode. Off the cuff, Robbie. Sam and Dean get a phone call from Adam Milligan, a young man who claims... Ring, ring, it's me, Adam Milligan. Oh, hi, Adam. A young man who claims to be the son of John Winchester. They head to Wyndham, Minnesota to investigate, where no one has a Minnesotan accent. There they meet Adam and confirm via John's journal that he was in the town in 1990. Dean doesn't buy it and believes Adam is possessed by a demon or a shapeshifter. The brothers eventually realize that Adam is telling the truth. John met Kate Milligan, Adam's mother, after he got injured on the job. Adam was born nine months later. Dean seems to be jealous that John had a son he never mentioned to Sam and Dean. Dean doesn't like that John took Adam to baseball games. Adam tells the brothers that his mother, Kate Milligan, is now missing. Missing? Missing. The brothers discover that back in 1990, John was hunting something. Yeah, you know, you're damn right he was hunting something. And it wasn't ghosts or demons, you know what I mean? Somebody had their, their weapon out. Wanted to fire off a couple of rounds in the dark. <laughs> yeah, I like the scene where Sam's like, hey, listen, it gets lonely. 
He's hunting. Kill somebody. He's no monk. The brothers discovered that back in 1990, John was hunting something that was robbing graves, and apparently it's back. Not only is Kate mm. missing, but so is Joe, a local bartender, and three bodies that have recently gone missing from the local cemetery. Dean discovers that Joe was a deputy years ago and was involved in the investigation in the missing bodies from the 90s and that John must have worked with him on the case. While Dean is out, Sam teaches Adam a few things about hunting. Sam gets attacked by a mysterious creature. The three brothers realize that they're all targets and this thing seems to be getting revenge on people associated with John Winchester and the investigation from 1990. Back at Adam's house, Sam and Dean seal it up, except for a duct entrance. Suddenly, Adam's injured mom returns. Sam believes it's the monster they are chasing. Adam has the shotgun and seems confused on what to do. Suddenly, he strikes Sam with the gun and knocks him out. What? Adam smiles at his, quote, mom. He's in on whatever's happening. Meanwhile, Dean is investigating a crypt and gets trapped inside. He finds the torn up bodies of Kate and Adam. Whoever has trapped Sam, they're not really people. Ah. He comes to and realizes that they're ghouls, the children of the ghoul that John killed years ago with the help of Joe. These ghouls are seeking oh. revenge and are killing and eating those associated with killing their father. Sam is tied up. They cut him and start drinking his blood. Dean suddenly arrives. He shoots ghoul Kate's head off and then with a lamp bashes ghoul Adam's head to a pulp. In the end, the boys burn Adam's body like they would a hunter. Dean shares that he believes Sam and John are very alike. And, and scenes. scenes. Well, fun to see Jake Abel pop up on the show finally. What, what is this you're doing right now? Oh, right. I forgot to say. I just got into it. I got so excited. But I guess I should let people know that it's time for... Our... Right, you were saying? Nice to have Jake on the show. Nice to see him pop up. It's great to see Jake. He, I really believe that he's their half brother. I mean, the the body yeah. that he that the ghoul was using. The diner scene was great. You know, the guy, all the guys. The diner were great. scene's um, awesome. On a personal note, fun to see Jake, but also on a show note, great to see Jake and and uh, to get it explained. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know. I knew. I it was interesting to see the uh, the origin story of Adam. Agreed. I thoroughly enjoyed the origin of the whole thing. I didn't know anything about how he came into the picture, so it was uh, all educational yeah. for me. I actually bought it. I bought that he was yeah. a brother, so the the turn, the like the flip on the whole thing caught me off guard. I thought it was really Surprised cool. Me. So I thought it was just a well-done episode. I also thought Dean's reaction was honest in the way he sort of wanted to protect him from the life of hunting. And A, you know, he went through like several stages of being pissed, disbelieving the guy, then being angry, and then sort of feeling bad for the kid. It was interesting to watch that whole journey and to watch Sam's journey was... Uh, exactly. Yeah, I thought it was cool that Sam became the good older brother because right. he never, he's as the youngest child, he never had that. So I, I really identified with that as a young, youngest child myself. But, you know, he really stepped into that role rather than Dean being the one that, you know, does that. It was Sam that was showing him the ropes. Yeah, um, I, 100%. I thought, I thought that was really, I thought they, and the way they, way they talked about it, way Sam and Dean and Jared and Jensen talked about yeah, Adam. I thought Phil Segresha really nailed it. I thought uh, it was a really well shot episode. There's lots of, you know, uh, Dean crawling through that, that thin 
duct. Oh, was, I hate that stuff. Yeah, because it makes you claustrophobic. Yeah, yeah, man. So I just thought uh, not a not a fan. But I thought that Phil killed it. Uh, did well. Just uh, I thought the way the diner scene was shot actually was really cool. Um, it's one of the reasons it worked really well. Do you, what specifically? What, what I about know, just that? Like, was I, I, I'm, at the beginning of the episode, I was like, "Who directed this?" It's really the some of the shots were just really kind of artistic. But on the the diner scene, I mean, you kind of take it for granted. But on a show like this, where you have just very little time, Phil gets every angle right. First of all, yeah, you've got a whole story being told under the table. He grabs the gun. He cocks the gun. You know yeah. what I mean? Then he's got to go back and uncock it when Jake says something that yeah, yeah. justifies who he is. Um, I don't know. I just thought that that was really well, uh, really well done. And and obviously a lot of it's told through the performance, but but the way that Phil shot it also really you know helped tell. One hundred percent. Well, that's classic yeah. Phil. He's just always, as you say, so yeah. good. You know. Yeah, so it was, it was interesting, unexpected. I, I had no idea this episode even existed. <laughs> I really didn't. I didn't know that yeah. Jake came in until I thought he, Jake came in season five. I knew nothing about this at all. This is yeah. you're right. This is one of those ones I've just never heard about. Didn't know anything about. Yeah, I, and so it was all news to me, and it was all really cool, yeah. really interesting. All right, uh, are you ready to give a beard? I'm ready to give a beard. So I am. I, I really, really liked it. I thought it was really gross. The bloodletting was was really gross. Yeah, and honestly, and on a, uh, that that would have killed Sam. I'm sorry, but that was very unrealistic. Oh, dude, he would have been dead. The amount of blood that came yeah. gushing out of his body—he's yeah. a dead. He man. slit his wrist. I mean, they they slit his wrist. Yeah. So I I had a problem with the grossness. That's just me being a nerd, mm -hmm. but I didn't love that. And uh, yes, they would. Yes, I'm glad you brought that up. That also was a micro bump for me. I'm like, Meh. it seems like you slice up the vein yeah. of your wrist you know, for six inches. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's still a fight ensues. You're dead. You're, yeah. You've already bled. Yeah, right. You know? And then, you know, just like putting cloth on it just makes it better. <laughs> you know, like, oh, ah, ah, thank you. If only science really knew yeah. that. Um, so I'm I'm giving it, I'm giving it, uh, and I think this is apropos for this one, I'm giving it the Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I'm giving it a nice, solid, good-looking, mm -hmm. stubble beard, you know, rogue guy mm -hmm. out on the road might hook up with a ghoul, mm -hmm. you know, and make a ghoul baby. Yeah. You know, so it's like it's full. It's a, it's it's good looking. You want to check it out and yeah. maybe take a second gander, but it's no it's no Stapleton in my opinion. Yes, um, I have a similar. Be I'm gonna give it, and this is I think he might have shaved by now, but if you if you follow Misha Collins on Instagram, you saw that he posted. Uh, he has a beard now. Uh, it's very similar to my beard, actually. It's salt and pepper, um, but it's a really attractive beard, and you wouldn't know it. You, who knew that? that Misha Collins could grow such a handsome beard. And the same is true for this episode. I was unexpected. I didn't realize it existed, but it, was, it wasn't, it was like, my favorite, but uh, it, was a, it was a good one. So I... It was a pleasant surprise, Yes, a pleasant surprise is what I'm saying. So I'm going to give it the I Misha like Collins... I feel like our reviews are not far off from each other. No, they're not at all. I'm going to give it the Misha Collins of sometime around January 12th. All right, there we go. All right, and now, what a treat we have for you people... Jake Abel oh, appeared in Jake. five episodes of Supernatural. Recently, you can see him on TV in, in Walker or such films as Malignant, The Host, Percy Jackson, and Son of the South. He has so many great credits, including Dirty John, ER, Cold Case, Grey's Anatomy, so many things. And also, you may, may remember him from a little show called Threshold. Yeah, he was in that too, but we're going to talk about that. And here's our interview with Jake Abel. Jake, thanks so much 
for joining us today. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Jake Thank Abel you. is here, Richard. Yeah, no, we've had Jake Abel, like, longtime friend. Yeah. Known him from just being on the yeah. road at the man for a decade. And now finally, see, this is the thing that Rob and I are discovering. We're going through and watching mm -hmm. this show for the first time. Yeah. So even mm -hmm. though we've known you forever, now we're going, oh, that's this is why people he's line here. up to meet him. Like, yeah. <laughs> now I get yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I knew you, oh. you know, and in terms of the show, you know, I, I killed you at the very, very end of the show. Spoiler alert. But you weren't. Uh, great. You weren't really this. Spoiler you weren't this guy anymore. You were a different no, no, guy. Right? Sweet, sweet. I, I was never really Adam. That's that's what's crazy is I was never. Right. Oh, so he came back, but then he was kind of like, you know, inhabited by by Michael. I thought you were going to talk about Threshold. I thought you were going to talk about our old television shows that we did together. Well, and I was going to get to that is that we that that uh, Jake and I first worked together on the show Threshold, which Jared and Richard have made fun of me about because I've mentioned it because Threshold came out the same year that Supernatural came out. First of all, don't throw me in the, under the bus with Jared. I've never made fun of you. Go back. I make fun of you for a bunch of stuff, literally a laundry list of things. I make fun of you for virtually everything you've ever done or will do. But not threshold. That's Jared's. Uh, all right, all right, all right. That's, that's just ground. Jared. Sorry, I forget. I forget who's bullying me. But anyway, uh, yeah, that was where Jake and I first. I don't, I don't uh, know if we actually, don't know if we actually worked together, but I know we were on that show together. And there was a whole there was a whole slew of sci-fi shows that came out that same year. It was like everyone was trying yeah. to make it happen. Yeah. And then they and then the two ding dongs pulled pulled ahead and beat everybody. Who who saw that coming? And the two who ding dongs. Yeah, and then got us on the show. So, so you know, well, walk us through it. What what was your casting process like for Supernatural? I remember, like, I wasn't I wasn't familiar with the show very much because I didn't think I was the demographic per se. But a friend of mine, she loved the show, and so when I told her that I was going to audition for it, she was like, "Oh my god, you have to come over. I'm going to show you some episodes just so you can get a feel for it." And I don't remember the I tell the story, and people the first thing they ask is, "What were the episodes?" I don't remember. It was so long ago. I think one of them had a clown, <laughs> but I remember how funny it was. And I was surprised by how funny it was and how cool and slick it was. And uh, and so then I went from like not really knowing what this thing was to being like, oh my God, this would be really cool. But like any other audition, I went in, it was, they were casting out of Warner Brothers, I believe at the time the casting office was and an office in there. And like, I went in, auditioned and left kind of like you always do, right? thinking like, I have no idea. I, it might've been a producer session, but I think it might have been like four producers with the casting director kind of thing. And then uh, I just kind of, I left. And then I don't know how long it was after that, that I ended up getting the call. Then it was just, it was, uh, and I, I booked us off that, I think that one audition. Yeah. Having no, no, obviously like, like any of us had no idea what it would turn into. The fact right. that like, it would take me all over the world with you guys, like no idea. Not a clue. Mm -hmm. Didn't know I'd be gone for ten years and then come back at the end. You know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that—that's like as fuzzy as my memory is. That's kind of like I remember some the, those things around it. Of just like a friend was a fan, went to Warner Brothers, had no idea what was coming, and then you know, and right. then the rest is history. I wondered if um, I feel like a couple of times when I went up to Vancouver, I stayed in this. I was the episode after Richard had just been on mm -hmm. the episode, so I like I went in the room and there was still a folder that said Richard Spaden or something like that. Anyway, I wondered if you, because I'm on the my first episode is the previous episode. I almost wonder if you stayed in the room I stayed in or something like oh, that. Oh, I wonder. I, I wonder what that. that that smell was. That yeah. explains it. It was so familiar. Yeah, that was the so smell. familiar. Yeah, that was the smell, oh, yeah. That that old familiar smell. Are we familiar but frightening? Yeah, I know. I know. Can't remember at all. Now, did it say in the breakdown or when you auditioned? Did it say that it was the brother of Sam and Dean? I believe it did. 
I don't think that was like kept a secret because okay. you know it being called Jump the Shark, and, and it was like it was very clear that they were pulling like a stunt thing, and it was to play like their right. their long lost brother. And it did right. say like you know your name has to start with J. Uh, you have to be six foot or above. Like there was there was really narrow requirements that I really right. slid in <laughs> under the radar on. So of course that was helpful. Right. That was all marketing right. stuff. J three things for the future. Just you know, I don't know. Thinking ahead. Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> they were the future proof yeah, the whole yeah, thing. Any event sure, success, we would like to, yeah, named and likeness, all that stuff. But you know, you never know because I think that Misha had to read like ambiguous sides or something. They were very vague because right. they didn't want to give away plot points, even though this is pre posting right. things on the web. But you knew, like, you you knew the details. I'm pretty sure what I knew. What, what season did Misha come in on? Four. Oh, wow. Four. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah, fun, to yeah, think yeah, about. fun to think about. Now, was this before Percy Jackson? Yeah. So, right on the uh, heels, the toes, it was right before. I was filming. I was filming the episodes, and then going back to my trailer and reading the script for Percy. Like I was prepping. So I was actively oh, wow. prepping, prepping for Percy during the filming. And I remember being in my trailer. I think I think I was in the triple banger. Maybe they put me in a double. I don't remember. But I remember being in there and I had my script. And I was like, I doodle on my scripts a lot. I remember like drawing Luke Castellan while I was on set for Supernatural. And um, so they're so. In, wow. And what's interesting is they're so intrinsically tied. Not just be like because I booked them right around the same time. But because when I'm, when I am out at conventions or whatever, they're like households. Those would be like the two things that hold a household up. Like the adults love Supernatural and the kids love Percy Jackson and then they share it with each other. And it's been, there's this major, major cross-section between these two projects. It's it's really, really quite cool. Yeah. Interesting. And unexpected. Interesting, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That other actress was really good too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Who played your mom? Who played your mom? Yeah, yeah. Or your fellow Dee Dee cool. Pfeiffer. Is that who that is? I think you might be right. I think so. And uh, yeah, she she That's was awesome. really terrific in that scene. That, it was a big turn. It's always fun to play that turn where you think you're one thing. Yeah, yeah. I did. I and I gotta say, I didn't I, know I it was coming. It, like it, like not oh, having ever seen the episode, yeah. I didn't see it coming, and I, I bought it hook, line, and sinker. Because also knowing you as a character later mm -hmm. in the show when i directed you you were adam so i'm like he's adam i just thought oh he's, yeah this is when we meet adam i it didn't occur to me there was going to be a spin and that's what i mean about it like really there was like it was it was a number of years before i actually played adam because he was the ghoul and then next time you see him he's michael um like you know you right it's, it's always with adam's right. body he's a but vessel, never but yeah. Adam's I think the, right, I think, but he's he's been dead. The I think whole the time. one when like when Dean saves him from purgatory or something. I think that might have been Adam, but I don't okay. know. I can't keep you know it's too many people yeah. in my head. Nobody knows. I don't think anybody knows. I don't think the, even the writers know. Anymore. It's more it's impressionistic. Like, yeah, it's meant to give you might a have feeling. been an archangel or no. a demon. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Ahoy, Rich Spade here. Hope you're enjoying the episode. But we got to pull over for a second for some messages. You can sense it calling out to you. New reality seeks you. Join the journey to save Anomaly. Place where sound is magic. The only way to enter the world is by looking inward. Along the way, you'll learn potions, chants, and enchantments that will help you both in that reality and yours. So, answer the call and let your campaign begin. Featuring the voices of Ruth Connell from Supernatural and Dead Boy Detectives. There are ordeals ahead, yet with guidance you will face them head on without fear. Todd Stashwick from Star Trek Picard and Twelve Monkeys. 
when the time arrives, wherever your journey takes you, be there with no attachments. And R&B singer N.C. Gray. There are worlds, realms, dimensions, and realities beyond yours. Anomaly is a role-playing meditation podcast that takes you into a world of magic and fantasy. You'll be invited to imagine yourself in scenarios such as learning to cast a tranquility spell or exploring a land vanquished by a dragon, but all connected by a shared mythology. The goal of guided fantasy role-playing meditations are to help you cultivate a sense of wonder, curiosity, balance, and joy in your inner world. Role-playing meditation is a form of escapism and relaxation, as well as a creative outlet for the imagination. The first campaign is an introduction to the world of Anomaly, its lands, magic, and secrets. In the eight chapters, you'll stretch your imagination, learn to center yourself, offer forgiveness, find confidence, relieve stress, and stop racing thoughts. Your true self will emerge, allowing you to manage your goals and dreams without confusion, distrust, or self-doubt. You can find it on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Or visit seekanomaly.com to learn more. Anomaly spelled with an I-E, not a Y. Seek Anomaly. Hear its magic. Thanks for listening. Now back to the episode. There's a great dinner scene between the three three of you, the three brothers, I think. Oh, yeah, at the diner? That's great. When you first meet them? That's a good scene. Uh, but it is a great scene with, you know, Jensen not believing you and, you know, having the, sort of the gun aimed at you under the table. And mm-hmm. and you really convinced That's them. my favorite thing is that you brought up the baseball thing. I love it when he's like, he took you to a baseball game? Like, that whole yeah. reaction is great. I'm yeah. going to be honest. I thought we were going to watch it together and comment, like, DVD commentary. You're throwing some... You're throwing some stuff at me that I just don't remember. I remember that right. scene. I think Jared farted on me during that scene. I'm telling you guys, I'm I'm keeping up pretty quick here. I'm 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 you know on the memory stuff here. I'm gonna tell you, you saying that Jared passed gas yeah. on you definitely rings true just from like a historical yeah. behavior. No, he called him yeah. no, you know he mean? called himself Farticus because he was eating a lot of meat <laughs> back then. And he was really because he was huge. He was huge in those those seasons. Uh, uh-huh. big, big jacked up guy for no reason. And that made him really gassy. And he, I was trapped in that diner at the against the the window, and uh, and he let one go, and he shouted, "I am Farticus." Uh, for... <laughs> this is the best podcast we've ever done. I'm going to tell you, this is the most yeah, it really revealing. Is. It really is. Po- finally, yeah. <laughs> they really they really make you feel welcome. That that's what stands out the most about the show is that how you how you're so welcome into the fold of the show so quickly. Yeah, yeah. It's like you're like you're like I, I'm glad you're familiar with me. We have this relationship. Maybe we're maybe we're a bridge too far. Maybe we just <laughs> All right. maybe Pull back. I'm Jared Padalecki. Here's what the inside of my asshole smells like. Welcome to the show. <laughs> it's still kind of like baby stuff. <laughs> One step ahead. <laughs> Jared <Padalecki. laughs> Um, was there like yeah. was there a special like you know normally your guests are in this show. You meet them. They're nice, but what you're playing their bro- brother, half brother. Was there any sort of um, chemistry? Like, did you get together before, or was did you meet them first day on set? To my knowledge, my memory, first day on set. No, there's no time. You know, there's no time for, mm-hmm. for pre meet. Sure. Flew up to Vancouver, do wardrobe, 
put on your 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 blank jacket and your bland jeans and you get out there and you you know you go kick some ass um yeah but i do remember and they've always been this way and that, that, that i think that that's why the show has ran so long as it did is they were so welcoming and, I, and then in later years i watched yeah. them be welcoming to other you know other new people and um yeah and that's rare it's especially especially when a show's been been on for a number of years and, and has found success yeah, you find this in movies too you know like you show up to be do a day play or like you're doing a a, a funny scene or whatever and you're, you're doing like the gag and the scene and like I did this movie, Strange Wilderness, and it, it was an Adam Sandler-produced movie with Steve Zahn and all of Adam Sandler's buddies and Jonah Hill, like the funniest dudes in town. And I had to go in for a day. And they'd already been making this movie together. Justin Long was in this film. And like the mistake is to try to be funny and be buddies because they everyone's already been working together. That's really, really tough. And and there were there were everyone was, was very, very nice on that movie, but like they got that shorthand, they're going, and it's hard sometimes when you come in, you just gotta kind of watch and and enjoy the show. And Jared and Jensen, I felt like immediately sort of understood like, hey, like we're moving fast. We're making something big here. And they welcomed, they welcomed me in and made me feel um, right at home. And that was fun, you know? That's yeah, awesome. Really, really cool. Because, you know, yeah. and it's like. And that's consistent. consistent. That's, what, that's what they always say yeah, about these Yeah, things. and it makes me like, they're, they're, they've been good examples of like how to, how to lead something in that way. Um, and, you know, and it's like, you know, when you're, when you're in the number one position, like there's a way that you can help people along to make the show better, or you can shut them out. And, uh, I think I was lucky to early on have examples of, of the, the good side of it. Yeah. All right. Let's stop talking. Let's stop saying nice things about them. Can we start disparaging them again? Cause oh, Farticus is pretty solid. Yeah. And you yeah. you got to fight Dean. So that was good. You got to beat up on him. Yeah. That was, that was just, I just did that. They just happened to have the cameras rolling. Oh, wow. Oh, cool. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, it, that felt that, like that was the, it improv, wasn't the knives. So yeah. It was, was the, the beating fight. of yeah. Jay, yeah. Dean. <laughs> <laughs> did you, was there a choreography? Do you remember? Were they like, all right, you're going to. Uh, oh, I mean, it had to be. Yeah. I, I don't think it's extensive. I think it's kind of like, you show up on the day and they're like, hey, we're going to choreograph a fight scene today. Kind of like, yeah. I've, I've watched you do that, Rich, to the actors. Hey, you guys got to fight. Uh, go go learn a fight scene. Oh, oh, wow. This is a window yeah. in yeah. to the Rich's uh, directing yeah. techniques. Yeah, and Walker, he, he, you know, just. No, Rich's directing technique was this fight ain't fighting working. Working. We're going to yeah. come back to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we came back to it and we got it. And it worked. And it worked. But did, how far in advance did you guys work on that? Like, do you remember, was it days earlier you were doing choreography? Not, not a clue. I, like I said, I think it was probably just like a show up and we're going to throw some punches, right? It was probably like a punchy. Oh, really? I thought you were saying that some shows do that. This was that this episode. Okay, got it. Yeah, this. Yeah, I think and I think that happens. It just it depends what it is. But I think television doesn't have time usually to like do a, a lot of stunt rehearsal. And so they expect yeah. you to kind of come in and know how to how to throw a throw a punch and you know yeah. punch and shove old punch and shove um yeah yeah that's what, that's what uh, yeah certainly on supernatural it, it was that way you sort of learned that day yeah yeah now uh how did you like working with phil i mean this is a sagrisha special this episode the legend. Yeah. So, that, so he's yeah. you know I, I was actually thinking about this when I was before coming on the show and like i phil was another one of those people who made me feel so welcome so quickly like i bonded with phil to the point where uh, when we were back in LA, he would invite me out. We would go see sh shows together because he loves like, you know, like rockabilly stuff. And he was working with yeah. this artist, Petunia, right. who he ended up taking me oh, when yeah. we were in Vancouver. We went and saw Petunia play live. And then yeah. like, I think we saw him again. Petunia and the Vipers, Petunia right? and the Vipers, yeah. yeah. And uh, and I, we just bonded so quickly. And that was another, just another person who made me feel really welcome into this world. And, and I still I still get like his emails for he does like get togethers for music and stuff. And, yeah. 
Yeah, but, he just uh, had one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh but I, so i haven't seen him or spoken to him in a number of years but uh but he was he remains one of my one of my favorite all-time all-time favorites yeah phil's great he's as a director and as a person and he, you know he's he's for his is is almost intimidating as he can come off sometimes he's such a champion of of actors yeah and he he really is a an actor's director and he, and he, he has he, he does have favorites like he he'll he'll I could see that, you know, he really mm, liked what yeah. you did and he mm -hmm. liked directing you and he like, you know, mm -hmm. um, yeah, he's been, he's been so kind to me and Rich through the years too. Mm -hmm. Cause he's, he's doing the boys as well, right? He was doing some yeah. boys episodes. Did he do any of, of yours? No, but he did some, well, he actually did some, uh, second unit stuff that oh, I was nice. in. Yeah. He's nice. the producing director of that show. So he's, so he's yeah. full time yeah. there. Yeah. I definitely, we, we would hang out on the weekends. We'd go out and hit the town. Yeah. He's great. It's great fun. Cause you know, like you said, he loves music. Loves music. Yeah. It'll take you, uh, it'll take you places where they're doing like Lindy hopping and jitterbug or ladies, whatever, like, like, yeah. Messed up, like, you know, yeah. 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 He finds the coolest spots. I wouldn't, I would never find on my own. Yeah. Yeah. Phil's, Phil's a, he's got a nose yeah. for that stuff yeah. for sure. Now, that's you, his, that's his You jam. have a memory. He, he, like Richard Spade as a director, he is known for doing lots of takes and lots of different angles. And I noticed it in this episode there. He's, I was actually really impressed. I, I, I had to look, go back and go like, who's directing this? And it was mm -hmm. Phil. And I was like, I, I just thought there was some of the shots were really well done and mm -hmm. well conceived. And he does a lot of sort of inserts and, you know, he'll mm -hmm. do, did you, do you have a memory of that? Like him? Not, I mean, not particularly. I, I think it felt sort of, it felt sort of normal to me at that point. Mm -hmm. I think because mm -hmm. I had done like mostly film, I think that's more of a filmic approach uh, uh -huh. too. Uh -huh. I, don't think, I don't think you really granted that. And I think that, you know, I think the show, those early years of the show, from what I remember, were really precise. I mean, like lighting took a, a while there was a story like, you know, I wasn't hitting my mark exactly right. And this is what this is where I learned quickly about the show is I thought I was on my mark and I was I was a little a little shy of it. And Jensen reached out, just grabbed my shoulder and then just gently pulled me forward and said, feel that. And I was my key light was coming through a window. And so he just he just nudged me a little forward and just said, feel that. And I went, got it. And that was the moment I realized, like, wow, this show is really specific and accurate and i love to work that way i love to work in that sort of that specificity um because the final image is always worth it so if you can find yes. a way to continue to do your job and perform honestly while another part of your brain is somehow hitting marks and hitting key lights the finished product is like it looks like it's it's what you're saying it looks like something that's like more film but but put on tv um and i yeah. don't think um I just don't think you're afforded the time that it takes to do that very often. And, you know, it's mm -hmm. just, there's time constraints and it takes a long time to yeah. light be beautifully. It really, really does. Yep. But it may, yeah. it worked for me. That kind of style really, really works for me. Yeah. And Jared and Jensen were such team players that way. Yeah. You know, some actors might go, go to the director and be like, this kid's not hitting his mark or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's so cool of him to be like, yeah, just nudge it forward. It was a very gentle way. And it was also, what mm -hmm. was great about it, it was allowing me to make the discovery. Yeah. Right. Without right. like being, it was, it was, it was a show don't tell. It was just like, a, right. you feel that? There you go. Yep. And we expected, yeah. soon, soon, you know, like, you know, I think, I think he knew, like, we had done some scenes at that point. He knew that I was, wasn't green. So he could, he could do that and it would make sense. Um, right. And, right. Uh, so, yeah, but that was another example of like kind of how I, I was treated and, and welcomed in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So back to the episode. Mm -hmm. So there's this turn, you're a bad dude. Well, yeah, you're possessed by a bad dude. Um, mm. And then we get to see Adam's dead body. Was that, that was you, right? That's like, was that, that actually you? Good, uh, dibs on the band name. 
by the way. Adam's Dead Body. Adam's Dead that, Body. That's like a, yeah. that's like a 2005 yeah. kind of like yeah. emo. like Jam or jam band. Yeah. Adam's Dead Body. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> what was the question? Was that you? Or was yeah. that a cast? Okay, so that, that was you, right? So yeah. So I, I do actually remember that when they, it's like they opened the casket, I believe. That was so, so cool because I love, and people might know that listeners might know this about me. I love horror films with practical effects. I all but made one beneath you, Rob. Yes, you did. Taking quarantine. Um, Yeah. So I'm a sucker for practical effects. And this was the the mother of all practical effects. So they built this casket. And then they, the effects department built like this eaten, burned out, like carcass of my body. And there was a false bottom underneath it. So I crawled into like the top of the casket. And my, it was like, it's like a a magic trick. So my body... They only did makeup for me from like uh, neckline up, right? So that's when uh-huh. so that's just that. And then I lay down underneath in this false this false bottom, and uh, when I put my head up against it, it looks like my neck is attaching to this, this carcass. And it was a trip to like you know you you look down and you just see it, even so like me from my point of view looks like my dead body. <laughs> wow. And then, and then they say, "That's and weird." Then they say, "All right, we're going to close the lid now." <laughs> and then they close the lid of the casket, and I'm oh there, my God. in pitch dark, with my brain trying to tell me, "Like that's not really your body. That's not really your body." But it was like, "Oh my God!" It, like it's such such a cool effect. I wait. So what's your ang- what's the angle of your actual body? Are you sitting? I I was reclined. I had to be reclined. Uh. I, I don't know if I was fully lied underneath but i was definitely reclined so i could get the the same like angle so so it looked like i was lying flat and then however they they pieced some extra pieces together to make it look like it was connected um but just angled sort of like a like in a recliner almost wow man that's wild it looks so it looks awesome was it a a cast of your actual body or they just got a body yeah i don't i don't think they had to life cast me just because it was so Mm. chewed up and gnarled um, right, I've done right. full body casts before, and I don't think I, I don't think I had to do one for that one. I may have done. I think my first life cast might have been for Percy, so I don't think I even did one for them. Okay. And it's hard to remember. That's um, a trip, though. That's cool, yeah. though. You didn't have to hold your breath. My, the my my biggest fear when I play someone who's died is that I can't breathe. You know what I mean? Because I hate to see someone's like uh, right. blinking. You don't you don't have to worry I about. I cannot. I'm getting worse. I'm getting worse as I'm aging at playing dead. I have to blink. Yeah. Have to blink. And then like, yeah. I have to blink more the more I'm trying to play dead. I'll hold my breath. Like, that's not what I'm so worried about. It's the blinking that my uh, eyes instantly yeah. burn. Right. I, I worked it. with this guy, Titus Welliver, who plays Bosch right now. Oh, yeah. Sure. Robert and, Titus. Uh, so he had to play dead in the movie we did. And I, like, in the scene was watching him, like, how are you doing this? It was so impressive. He was just like, all right blinking i don't need to blink and he just didn't it was amazing it was the most incredible wow. thing i've ever seen and i was just like wow uh i can't do that i don't know why i'll put eye drops in i hate it i hate playing dead for that reason but yeah, i, no, I do tough. that too it's if really i watch tough. movies and someone's like dead in the background i stop watching the movie and i look at that person's belly look at that diaphragm <laughs> yeah yeah what are you gonna do here oh, really? yeah <laughs> that's a skill set man yeah. that is a skill set yeah. yeah it makes me feel awkward for the actor yeah but i'm looking i'm like yeah yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, did you have any idea that you'd uh, be back? Any clue at all you'd be back on the show? No. And I, it's like I'm not hesitant to tell the story because I t- I've told it publicly. I tell it. I've told it all year at conventions. 
um, I learned I learned why there was a gap. So I was at a convention years ago, if you watch many, and Cliff, Cliffy, the boy's bodyguard, we were, we were hanging out backstage and he was like, why don't you come back to the show, man? You should come back to the show. And I said, Cliff, I'd love to. I'm like, are you kidding me? And like, if they if they'd call me, I, I would. And he goes, they have, and they've tried. And you need to tell your agents to stop asking for so much money because they can't afford it. And I went, what? What are you talking about? He was like, yeah, no, they, they've, 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 they've wanted to, but like your team, their team is asking for too much money. I said, I, I, this is the first I'm hearing about this. I had no idea. And at the time I was no longer with, with who had done that. So that's my biggest fear in this, in this industry, mostly is someone making, cause this happens a lot. Someone making decisions for you that reflect poorly on you and you can have no idea. Yeah. Um, wow. And, uh, so that was that was did you call your old your ex-agent go screw you no, or what'd no. you do so i just called my current agent and said hey this is what's happened this is what i found out i don't expect them because it's hard to bring someone onto a show right especially because like, these shows are they're sort of plotted out for that whole season it takes time yep. to come up with an arc that works because there was a number right. of years where they they said like i knew that they couldn't think of an arc that worked they were trying to find like someone had pitched a natural born killers episode with adam i don't even know what that means but that would have been amazing um it was wow. like, a, like a road episode with adam um oh wow yeah how cool would that have been but so I just called and said, this is what happened. Would you please do me a favor, call the producers and just let them know that I didn't know that this was happening, that this wasn't brought to my attention. It wasn't a decision that I was uh, even um, given the chance to make just to clear my name, like just to make good, because it's not worth it for someone out there to think that like, that I wouldn't go be a part of this for that reason. Um, right. And so, uh, and so they did. And it still took a couple of couple of years because like i said it's like you can't just bring a character back there's got to be a reason and it has to right. make sense and right. um even after all of that i like i still like how it happened because i think it's funny it's kind of become this canon thing that adam was forgotten you know and uh and then i think it was worth it because right. they brought him back with with such there was such weight to what they came up with bringing him back with michael and i think like it it was yeah. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have wanted to come back for something that was just sort of like, I don't know, like there was something to it. And like Rich, when when, you know, we at first I remember I got the script and was like, OK, I'm going to be playing Adam and Michael. And I started coming up with this idea and we jumped on the phone real quick. And I said, hey, this is really cool. I want to try to switch in between them in performance. And like if we can avoid doing any special effects in my eyes to show a difference, like wouldn't that be cool? And you were totally on board. You're like, just give it a shot. And it, it felt like, yeah, because I saw there was, there was, they, they had this 10 year relationship and that was like, there was so much to mine from that. Like there was, there yeah, was a yeah, relationship yeah. built there. There was a codependency. They have like shorthand with each other. And that to me was like far more interesting uh, than, than anything, anything else that may have come sooner. And, uh, and I think made for a bittersweet ending. Not that we're at those episodes yet of the podcast, but. Well, you're, but you, you come back in season five as well, right? Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah, so that was that was the uh, it was after that. So yeah, I did that whole Michael right. stuff going into the pit, right? And, and then you know, and then the ten years go by, and then ten years go by. Yeah. I do a couple yeah. studio it's films. Cool. Suddenly, That's really cool. You gotta, yeah, you gotta pay yeah, the big bucks. And yeah, tell me about <laughs> it. Um, so in when, but you didn't know after this episode that you'd be back in season five. That was a um, I'm trying. Or to did re- you? I'm trying to remember. I actually. I don't think I did actually. I, I don't think like 
I think it was well, it was they label it as like possible recur. You know what I mean? Right. Like they're not sure. Interesting. Sure, it right. could maybe be, but like right. Um, again, if I yeah, because as a as a half brother, you'd think that maybe you know there's life there. Yeah, because well, also too, it's like the reason they called it Jump the Shark was to be like they wanted to do a fun episode with this big discovery, and then it's like we're we're kidding, guys. Psych. Like we're not gonna we're not gonna do that. Right. It's about two brothers, and so because um, right, because Jump right. the Shark comes from. Um, happy days when the later seasons right. this, this is for the, the listener <laughs> a little trivia in the later seasons of happy days they put the fawns on a pair of uh water skis and he jumps over a shark literally jumps on a ramp over a shark yeah and and that was a part uh where it was like okay the show's lost its way they're doing insane yeah. things to get viewers exactly. and They've which is such run a, out of ideas yeah so let's do doing. a stunt yeah. to get viewers to come back and right. so it's such a well you know what's funny cover. is that you're right about the that Fonzie thing and at the time like ah they jumped mm -hmm. the shark but weirdly by having Fonzie jump the shark they further cemented their place in tv history because yeah. now the phrase jump, jump the, the shark. shark is literally the global term for like that's a bridge too far man too far. Yeah. they jumped the shark yeah. Yeah. like yeah. Yeah. people people it's like saying oh you drink the kool-aid very few people know that's from the jim jones yeah. guyana tragedy right. you know like yeah. like it's right. you, right. you forget both equal yeah. tragedies. You forget the both. origin of it. It just becomes a phrase. Both tragedies. Both tragedies. Yeah. The bonds and, yeah. Yeah. Both tragedies. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but but such a yeah. clever, clever title for an episode and to do a stunt like that. And so I think that's kind of like, you know, they were like, we could just do this as a one and done and that was fun, but uh, they saw potential for something more. And I think that was good. Listen, you've done a lot of uh, conventions as part of your, you know, tenure on Supernatural all over the world. Do you have a favorite story? Do you have a favorite moment? Oh man. Or something that stands out. I remember the first convention I, I went to, that was like height of it all. And it was in Vancouver. And uh, it was like, I think I'd filmed my first episode. I don't even think I'd aired yet. And I kind of like was became aware at that point of how popular the show was and how much uh, fans loved the boys, Jared and Jensen. And then I suddenly, my carefree right. sort of like, yeah, I'm just doing this fun show attitude turned into terror. Cause I was like, Oh my God. Like I think it, it's dawned upon me of like, I am playing the third brother. And then I agreed to go do this convention. And those, those conventions were packed. That, that Vancouver one was, I had no concept, oh, yeah. no concept. And then I remember being like terrified because then, you know, these conventions, they, they just expect you to go on stage by yourself and razzle dazzle them. That's insane. By the way, like you really get thrown to the fire at these conventions there's no moderator <laughs> yeah. and ultimately right. it's like i think it's served us all i think now like all of us on I maybe mean, you know we've been in the band for years but like i go on stage now and if, if I'm, I, I don't use the moderator i start to feel bad because it's like i've been trained by by this no it's good it's a great lesson too it's a great it, skill it set now. we've seen some good people go down you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, we've lost some good men <laughs> on, on this road yeah <laughs> and they'd be like you gotta go help him I can't help him now. It's too late. We lost him. We're moving on without him. On to the next town. Uh, we'll t we'll raise a glass in his memory, but he won't be with us. Um, real band of brothers type feel. Yeah. Very. So very, very scared. And then I went out on stage and much like the welcome to the set was the welcome to the fandom at that convention. The room was packed. Everyone, like I had such a fun time up there. 
it's a blur, but I, re- I remember being up there and there's pictures of me up there and just like cheesing because it was, it was so much, it was so much fun. And I was so hungover. It was great. It was, it was a different time in my life. <laughs> yeah. So it's very familiar. Very familiar. Yeah. Well, look, man, it, it's great having you on this podcast. We're obviously going to have you again because you come up again yeah. and we're going to, you know, be discussing more. Talk to my agent. They'll give you a price. And maybe next time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you, you uh, might, yeah, exactly. If we can afford Actually, you. We'll call your agent. They're like, no, he's not going to come no. correct. And then I, this is a, I'm going to throw this curveball at you. Maybe watch the episode next time. Maybe give it a an eyeball on it so you know what the hell we're talking about. I didn't know about. that was a prerequisite, guys. I'm going to be honest with you. I thought I could just wing it. I think I did a pretty good job. He th- you thought this was a DVD commentary. Like, like you're doing stage at a con. I was like, oh, we're going to watch. We're going to have a few yucks. And uh, let's talk about the scene. Hey, we, we did have a few yucks. We did have the yucks. We had the yucks. We had the yucks. I brought the yucks. We had the that's yucks. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, now I know. Yeah, you did now I know. And now I'm not so sure I'll be back. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> now you, you don't want to yeah. come back. There's Homework? There's homework for your podcast? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're excited. Uh, we're excited to have you on, buddy. So thanks, thanks, thanks for joining us. us. Yeah. yeah, thanks for yeah, doing it, man. Pleasure. Great having you here. Good to see you guys as always. This is Jared Padalecki stopping in to say hi and let you know that we've got to take a quick break. Hey, guys, it's Rob. So check this out. I'm very pleased to announce that we have a new super sponsor. That's right. Marvel Strike Force. So Marvel, the one and only Marvel, has a mobile game, and it's a comic book fan's dream. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. So, okay, so your goal is to power up your favorite characters, and you complete missions, and then you unlock fun stuff like gear and other resources and then you beat other players in a pvp player versus player mode such as alliance war or real-time arena so as we as i record this they're enjoying their six-year anniversary so you know what that means free stuff free stuff just for signing up via the unique link in the description so the anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. So make sure you log in every day, each week. You take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code for every new user. So please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. All right. Thanks. Once again, to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? What would you do? Would you go for a run, take a nap, read a book, watch Supernatural? Maybe all the above. Or maybe it's that thought that brings in a sense of panic. I mean, the question is, what time for what? If time is unlimited, how do we use it? Sometimes... The hardest time for people who work every day is the weekends. When people are faced with a choice, if I've got this free time, what do I do with it? If this rings true for you, maybe therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy for many years now and I talk openly about it. I still go to therapy um, about once a week and it's just such a nice time for me to to have that free space to to try to figure out who I am 
really, and what I really want and what makes me happy. It's super important and often neglected taking this time. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient and flexible and suited to your schedule. So all you do is you fill out this brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and then, oh, get this, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge because they want you to be happy. That's what this is about. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash S-P-N-T-A-N today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash S-P-N-T-A-N. Thank you for supporting Supernatural then and now. And now, back to the show. That interview was stupendous. Stupendous. It was great. Great talking to Jake, getting his origin story, which is always one of my favorite things to get here from anybody. But also, we've known him so long. It was, it was Jake. To see him in the yeah. show and figure out his role in the, in the big picture and just a good dude. Oh, man. I was uh, really looking forward to that, too. And he didn't disappoint. It's just so nice. Uh, he did not disappoint. So comfortable to be with Jake. Loved having him. Having him. Have him what again, a great, sure. what a great actor too. You've given him lots of props when you directed him in season fifteen. It's a, he's a fine. Worked actor. with him on and Supernatural. Directed him in Walker. Thoroughly enjoy him as yeah. an actor. He's great. I remember you specifically calling me and saying Jake's really nailing it in this uh, Supernatural episode because he was yeah doing... he had a lot to do and I'm sure we'll have him on when we get to that one. But he him playing two characters uh, in. And an episode later in the seasons of Supernatural yeah. was very impressive. Yeah. Very, very cool. And now, yeah, now it's time uh-huh. for something that we call that we have aptly named Alright, ghouls are generally defined as monsters that feed on dead human flesh and are often associated with robbing graves. Now, I didn't know this. Not to be confused with uh with gulls, which are females, uh, noticed by Sebastian Rocher. Oh, look, there's a gull. There are gulls over there. Look at that gull. <laughs> the gull? Um, Is that a ghoul or a gull? <laughs> Can a gull be a ghoul? Can a ghoul be a gull? Uh, I didn't know this, by the way. I didn't know, like, to me, like ghosts and ghouls. I didn't know that ghouls were an actual thing. And, and to- <laughs> I didn't either. And I will say that was another reason why this got downgraded in my from Stapleton to not a Stapleton, because somehow <laughs> the ghoul term. Yeah. Just seemed like less. It was like, oh no, it's Casper. Yeah, it's, like somehow it, like it made just up, took a little yeah, bit of the scare yeah, out of it. Yeah, yeah. And when Sam says to Dean, when he's like, Dean, they're ghouls. Like that. Yeah, what is that? I don't even just, know. It kind of made me chuckle every time. Yeah, ghouls. Where? No ghouls, Sebastian. Ghouls. <laughs> oh, I thought you said ghouls. Yeah, really. It feels um, like a made-up term for Halloween. Where did the concept originate, Rich? Well, I, I'm pretty sure it, uh, if I'm memory serves, the Middle East. And I think, I remember this from my Arabic studies, uh, the Arabic ghoul may stem from Galu, the name of an Akkadian demon in ancient Mesopotamian mythology. Oh, wow. Arabic scholars of the 10th century, and Robbie, I don't have to tell you this, compiled folk tales involving ghouls, many of which found their way into the collection the Thousand and One Nights, oh. that book you keep by your bedside. Of course. Translations of this book traveled to Europe in the 18th century, which I'm pretty sure is when you picked it up. I think you were an eighth grader, uh-huh. along with the concept of the ghouls. Uh-huh. Concept of the ghouls. Isn't that the name of your album? Concept of the ghouls? I was say, say the same thing. <laughs> we went for the same joke. Love that band, Concept of the Ghouls. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think other made-up Halloween words that I'm trying to think of. But anyway, ghouls. And don't forget the H. The huh is silent. Ghouls. <laughs> you um, know what? Yeah. That's a fun fact you just shared with me about the H being silent, which means we should probably get into fun facts. Fun facts. Fun facts. Fun facts. The title of the episode is a reference to the infamous Happy Days episode, as we were talking about. It was the one where Fonz jumped over a shark during a water ski jump while wearing his signature leather jacket. This episode was considered a turning point for the show when it passed its peak. I disagree. I always feel like the show took a nosedive as soon as Richie grew a mustache. <laughs> but that's me. You know, I was like, we could talk about jumping the shark or we could talk about, oh, no, man, you've, you've Richie, Richie mustache. When did Richie uh, uh, grow a mustache? I don't know, man. Some point in the did show, he? he like grew up and grew. Did he? Did he? I forgot. I, 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 nobody, nobody likes. Sounds it. R- vaguely familiar when Richie had a. Of course, we're talking about R- Richie, the lead character on Happy Days, not uh, Richie as in the co-host of this show. No, Richie played by uh, Ron Howard. Now, the rejected titles of this episode included "When Leo Joined Growing Pains." or the Raven-Simone episode. I know why they rejected the when Leo joined Growing Pains, um, because obviously when the Fonz jumped the shark, it really took uh, Happy Days down from being like a great show to maybe not so great. And uh, when Leo groined, uh, <laughs> Leo groined? When Leo joined Growing Pains, Growing Pains was already a terrible show. So it didn't really right. adversely affect right. the arc of that. You always crowd. talk about how you have Growing Pains. I have Leo's groin. Uh, and I have, I have Leo's groin pain. Uh, that's, that's why Leo and I have always gotten along. We share the very similar uh, lower extremity uh, discomfort. Groin pain. Groin pains. This episode had different titles internationally. In Brazil, it was called The Brother. Mm. In Germany, the title is Grave Robber. In Poland, it's called Exaggeration. And in Japan, it's called The Happy Fun Boat That Kills You. And in Tennessee, it's called, hey, Rich ain't in that episode. Yeah, it's called, never mind, change channels. Uh, well, which is another episode you're in, change channels. Oh, yeah, hey, that's and right. In Germany, it's called Grave Robber. Like, it's just funny. It's so on the nose. Yeah, on the it's nose. very on the nose. In Poland, it's called Exaggeration. That's funny. When Sam and Dean enter the diner, a poster for the Fonzarelli Water Skiing Championship can be seen on the wall. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. That's cool. I did not notice that. I wonder if that's <laughs> completely legal or if they can get sued yeah. into the stone age I wonder. the diner is named cousin oliver of course the terrible character that was introduced in the final season of the brady bunch once all the kids had grown the show was trying to maintain its reputation for having cute young children it failed no one liked oliver it killed the show and there's much resentment throughout the industry and society today is there i mean people aren't really talking about Probably. brady bunch that much anymore i don't think ask oliver poor He's oliver not happy um, well, What's the actor's name who played uh, Oliver? Can't remember. Exactly. Exactly my point. <laughs> um, my case. Well, I feel like that was around the same time as Fonzie jumped the shark. Uh, I think Oliver was earlier. Was it? When Dean goes into the tomb, it is shown to be night. But right. later, through a window behind him, you see that it's daytime outside. Oh, man. Now I hate the episode. I thought he was just in there for a long time. A display card in the boys' hotel room when Adam comes to see them advertises happy hour at the sunny Buono Lounge and features a picture of a mustached Kim Manners. Kim Manners, of course, the legendary producing director of Supernatural for his first few years until his uh, untimely death. Wow. That's cool. Those are those are some good fun facts. Good job. They're good fun facts. I didn't know those things. Yeah. 
Well, um, this is good. This is good. It was a good, it was a solid supernatural episode. Yeah. Solid interview with Jake. Solid fun facts. Solid mythology. Uh, solid all uh, around. And, and like I mentioned, uh, Dee Dee Pfeiffer was uh, the name of the actress, played his mom. I thought she was really uh, good. I looked her up because I was like, oh, she's a good actress. She did a great job. And great, you know, fun script by Daniel Laughlin and Andrew Dabb and great direction. Yeah. The whole thing was great. It was a solid episode. And of course, Phil doing what Phil does so well. And Richard, you did this well as well. Thank you, Robert. I also thought you brought, I'm not going to say your A game, but you brought a game. <laughs> Some kind of game. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll see you next time for 420 when more crap happens and we talk about it. Oh, and I get to smoke some weed because it's 420. It's a 420 episode. Ooh, Robbie. No, Ixnay on the weed smoke. Um, all right, everyone. Until then, stay well. See you soon. This episode of Supernatural features Jared Padalecki as Sam Winchester and Jensen Ackles as Dean Winchester. Guest stars included Jake Abel, Dee Dee Pfeiffer, Heather Feenery, and Michael Patone. Jump the Shark was written by Daniel Laughlin and Andrew Dabb and directed by Phil Segretia. Editing by Tom McQuaid. Music by Jake Greska. Executive produced by Eric Kripke and Robert Singer. The original broadcast of this episode featured the following songs, Reaching Higher by Nathan Williams, A Little Bitty Tear by Burl Ives. The episode originally aired on April 23rd, 2009. This episode of Supernatural Then and Now was hosted and executive produced by Richard Spade Jr. and Rob Benedict. Produced by Stephen Hine, written by Stephen Hine and Hayda Holkshire. And edited and associate produced by Trey Booty. What's up? Good Music provided by Tim Wynn. The episode was recorded with the help of Sonic Fuel Studios. This podcast is from Story Mill Media. Follow the podcast on Instagram and TikTok at SPN Then and Now. Become a member of the podcast at www.patreon.com slash SPN Then and Now. Now, in the episode, did you improvise the thing with the knives with Jared when he's tied to the table? When you, like, slam the knife no, down? No, no. I've written in my notes here, improvising with knives while Jared is tied Who to the table. Who told you that? I think it may have been Steve having a dream <laughs> moment. He would like to someday improvise with knives. Maybe it was me putting the blood finger in my mouth. That happened. That was a thing that happened. Uh, Maybe it was yeah. that. Yeah. That seems that seems like something yeah. I would a make him up I would do. You know, finger Jared's blood hole and put it in my mouth. That's that ah, yeah, it's pure improvisation. Who wouldn't want to do that? That's all the time we have today, everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. Because I love grammatical errors, I want to read this as written. Not only is Kate missing, but so is Joe, a local bartender. <laughs> Three yeah. bodies have recently gone missing from the local cemetery. Yeah, that's six people, I think. <laughs> Story Mill Media. 